0: Welcome to the Mavens of Marketing, a weekly podcast hosted by me, Rachel Durkin.
1: And me, Carrie Barrett. We talk all things marketing, innovation, sales, and business growth strategies, and the standard tried and true marketing techniques. Come for the conversation, stay for the savvy insights. And the borderline inappropriate jokes. Thank you for watching, listening, wherever you're joining us. I am Carrie Barrett, one of the co-hosts of the Mavens of Marketing. And joining us is the lovely Rachel Durkin. Outside of the kids screaming, how are you?
0: I'm holding it together.
1: Holding it together. And of course, our fabulous guest, Tamson Fidel. It's great to see you too. Oh, it's so good to see you both.
2: Thank you for having me. I already feel at home here.
1: There you go. I'm so excited to talk to you. I did not get the black tank memo. Nevertheless, I will <laughs> I will manage to hold my own, I think. And I'm looking forward to this conversation because you know we were talking a little bit before this aired about how big storytelling has become in marketing right we hear about the story brand we hear about using stories to get in touch with people's emotions how they stick with people more so than facts and data and as a news anchor and someone who understands the power of storytelling and how to hook into the human angle and the emotional element the basics of storytelling, whether you're using them for marketing or whether you're telling a new story, are fairly similar. There are some different ways that you tweak things, but what makes a good story a good story is sort of across the board, the same parameter. So I'm going to start with a broad question, and that is... What what does make a good story? What are the elements that you have to be thinking about when you're figuring out how to build your brand, market your business or market yourself?
2: I you know, it's a great question. And it's interesting because being in television so long, maybe the last two or three years, the word story and then storytelling has become so popular. And uh, I thought, oh, I've been storytelling for a long time. So this works out. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but it made me actually uh, stand back and think about it uh, because it's it is so important. And those are the parts of a newscast or a marketing campaign or a business or small business that people really remember and people attach, attach to, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I will, I'll just go back for a second. In 2015, I wrote a book and it was about my divorce. As a, a news anchor, the story was never about me, right? You know that, Carrie. It's about, it's about everything else. Everyone else, you're telling somebody else's story. So when it came to telling my own story, I felt very vulnerable, very afraid, wasn't sure exactly how to do it, had understood how to do kind of the glossy part of the story, like gloss over it, but yeah. not tell it from my point of view, where there was an emotional attachment and I had to do that. So I really understood what it took, or I, I taught myself what it took. And, you know, a good story has to be easy to understand, right? It has to be relatable. And by relatable, it has to be believable and it has to be usable. People have to be able to use that story somehow to relate to their own lives. So they say, Hey, you know what? I'm the same way, I have the same problem, I have the same concerns. And now you now you've got them kind of as part of your audience and on your team. And then yeah. you go along and, and and actually talk to the person instead of talk at the person. And that's what a good a good story is, is all about. I think that it has to be inclusive and it has to be inspiring.
1: I love that you mentioned about it being relatable and about people being able to see how it applies to them. I think one of the things that I have come across, um, you know, in my background, obviously, as a news anchor as well, I've never been afraid of telling a story. It is different when you're telling it about Mm -hmm. yourself, though. And it's like, how much do I put out there? And are people going to look at me differently or understand what I do differently? I think one of the keys is figuring out what story is applicable to what audience. You're writing a book about divorce, and your story is obviously applicable to everybody who is Clearly, going to buy that book, right? Whether they're people who are contemplating divorce, have gone through it themselves, know somebody who's going through divorce and want to be a support for them. But, like, not every story, even if it's your favorite story,
2: Mm.
1: is the right story for that audience. Like I always advise people, well, you're talking to this group or you're talking to that group or these are investors. These are potential clients. The story for each one of them, and and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is probably slightly different. It It may not be the one that you love the best.
2: Yeah, and I actually don't even know if it's the content of the story, but I yeah. think story storytelling and somebody able to do that helps build trust in you, yeah. your brand. Uh, it lets people a- engage with you in a different way because we all know the businesses that have been those kind of nameless businesses. Throughout. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we, you know, see another kind of business that has that emotional attachment. And so whether or not somebody can relate to divorce or can relate to having children or can relate to uh, a death in the family or can relate to a certain type of business, I think it's really the trust that's built. I think that is the root of a a good storytelling. And I think, you know, some, a business brand, a, a small business, uh, a big company that creates that kind of trust with their audience or with their customers, I think they have them for life. I really do. Because I think if you create that kind of trust, you defeat the competitors you have out there, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, they've established a relationship with you. And it has to be a good story though. It has to be a believable story. It has to be something that's authentic. It can't be something that was created in a room with 12 people, or if it was, it certainly can't look like that. Yeah, uh, it, it needs to it lose that gloss that we've uh, yeah. we're very accustomed to in so many ways. And you know, social media, we, we face tune everything, right? You can't tune yeah. those kind of authentic stories.
1: No, they have to. You know, it's interesting. And I just want to mention, you know, Amazon, as of this recording, is going through this revamp of their storytelling if you will and we all know Amazon is the mega of all mega right I mean they're in every single corner of my home they're in my mailbox and on my friend listening to you. every day they're listening to me this podcast is not I'm a I'm a big fan however they are sort of I don't want to say rebrand because that's not Possible but they're telling the story right now trying to make themselves seem as if they are a small town family oriented we're a team a community, and I say that with a little bit of of sarcasm because clearly that's not who they are, but it's somehow. Working for them, they've hooked into some element there that resonates with people, even though we know that they're, you know, not a small group of people who all know one another and go over to backyard barbecues and each other. So it's just not how it works. So storytelling, if the story itself is real, I think can totally transform the image that somebody has of your brand or your business.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think that, in it also uh, makes your customers go out there and yeah, tell the story. So now you've got word of mouth and somebody is going to tell the story. And, t- and, and
0: is that not the best type of marketing? Somebody yeah. else telling your story for you? Word of mouth, yeah. So to me, this, I always take things back to big picture to understand where they fit. So I want to bring this back for a second. So first of all, this concept of storytelling, storytelling is the answer to a lot of co- consumer psychological uh goals that we have as marketers in general so for example when you are doing storytelling or and the more authentic you are the more, the better you're received because as humans, we want to understand one another and like literally endorphins released in your brain when you are in a group and you relate to somebody. So for example, when Tamson, when you said, I feel like I'm at home already because Carrie and I were such a hot mess this morning, it kind of makes it a little bit easier for somebody to walk into the room and not, and be bring down their walls. So yeah. I think storytelling makes that happen. Now, one thing I'm going to say though, is I think often as marketers, we forget What the goal of the storytelling is, and this makes me sound like a terrible, like, you know, I'm not trying to like a money grab concept, but it all has to come down to revenue because that's as marketers, what we get judged on. Right. And so often I see my clients want to do storytelling and do it well, but they're not thinking about the big picture on how they're going to monetize it. So for example, Amazon was a great, Point, Carrie, you would monetize storytelling in that sense because it's a major PR campaign because they need to change yeah. their image. Yeah. But, you know, for smaller businesses, whether you're writing a book or uh doing a podcast, my I guess my question for you, Tamson, at a high level, and I'm like throwing you a couple of curveballs, is how do you make sure you've done so many amazing things? Obviously, you've been successful. How do you monetize or make sure you're monetizing storytelling?
2: yeah that's i mean it's a great point right because you want the roi at the end of the day especially when you're talking about marketing and business uh you know i don't do that in the new in the news portion of it i guess return on investment is you have more viewers come into the news Mm -hmm. and trust you you know with regard to the book i really had to work on a couple of things i had to work on list building i had to work on uh making sure that my story was consistent when i told it so i would be sending out emails to make sure that people would, would listen and want to come back um, you know, I made sure that it was sort of well-rounded when I did that because that's what I needed. I needed book sales at the end of the day, right? I didn't right. need people to hear the story, but I also needed them to go to Amazon or whatever book it was in that small market and small town and buy a book. Um, <laughs> so, that, so that is what it was at the end of the day. And I, and I think that what was important for me is always trying to keep that goal in mind. So I would keep, yeah. at the end up that story, you know, here's the story and here's why it's important and here's where it goes from there, right? Yeah. So you have to make sure it always comes back to your end game. I don't know if early on I did it. So when I started my email list, I started it uh, ahead of when my book launch was going to be, right? Because I knew my goal was going to be selling those books. Yeah. So I think my goal was to ramp up, gain trust, gain trust. Who is this person? Why is she talking about this? She's a news anchor. What does she know about relationships? What does she know about divorce? But that authenticity kept people on my on my list, kept people, you know, at, at that point, that was 2015, so it was on a podcast that I was a part of, came on the air, did different interviews, and then I would push back over to go there and buy my book, go there and buy my book, yeah. get, buy my book. But it didn't start out with, hey, buy my book, and here's how I'm going to give you three tips. Exactly. You know, so I also did, I have a, on my, on my um, website, I have a giveaway, which is a one free chapter of my book. So you can go to cancervidel.com and draw, download that. So I always wanted to give people something. I, I wanted to do a couple of things. I wanted to say, if you took the time to listen to my story or read my email, I'm going to give you something free for that because your time is worth it to me. And if you think that uh, I'm worth it to you, now please go buy my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now my, in my head at a very... Um, at a very basic level of marketing, but I but I actually think it's applicable across the board. I don't care if yeah. or your Nike, you know, that is at the end of the day, you're building mm-hmm. trust, you're authentic, you have a story. And you bit by bit trickle out, here's where we go next.
0: And what I'm hearing you say is, and I I love that you were like, My long game is I'm gonna build I'm gonna build my email list because my long <laughs> game is to sell the book. I also think people lose sight of the long game. Everybody wants quick ROI, quick turnaround. I'm gonna tell a story on a podcast or a blog, and, and that's gonna be it. I'm gonna be rich. I don't Lightning in a bottle,
1: right? Yeah. Exactly.
0: And and it really is a very long game by telling the same a consistent story over and over again. Helps you build whatever brand you, whether it's a personal brand or a or a corporate brand. That's I love that that you've kind of laid that out for us. Thank you.
2: (laughs) No, I really agree with you on that because you know I I I often look at this at the end of the day with with um you know social media and you know TikTok and everyone's like, what's the next one? We're gonna build up. What's next? And I always think at the end of the day, when I see these huge numbers, I think, well, what are they, I wonder what they're doing with that. Are they building a makeup line? Are they building a book? Are they building a brand? Are they building a, like, what are you doing with it at the end of the day? Because to me, at the end of the day, you're just feeding social media. So now whoever's the owner of social media, you've just done a great thing for them. Exactly. Yeah. What are you doing for you? It's, it's great to have that. Um, you know, I want to have these numbers, but I think you have to have in mind what you're doing with it or else. You're just spending hours upon hours and energy feeding those systems without an actual end game. I think yeah. that game is critical, no matter who you are.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Carrie, I know you have a question, but let me just make one quick comment. Yeah. On so so I, t- again, two things that you said that were awesome. First of all, I, and Amy Porterfield said this to us on another podcast and I thought it was really insightful, um, but your social media, you're renting your assets. Yeah. You're renting your followers really yeah. because they can take you tomorrow. Yeah. Your email list, I mean, you're still technically, there's still, of course, technology, you know, technology is scary, but your email list is more like you own it. So moving everything over to your email list as best you can is what I always recommend to our clients, uh, number one. And I lost track of what I was thinking for number two. Oh, I remember now number two. Number two (laughs) is the problem with pivoting your story, if you do so, is that your audience changes. I've actually seen clients where we'll see the DNA of their audience, of their followers on Facebook or on Instagram being, you know, men versus women and how old yeah. they are or whatever. And then they switch their business, their strategy, their story. And suddenly you will see a major drop as there's a flux yeah. of change in the audience. So that's yeah. what I they- really careful of when you're changing your story, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw that when I moved from news to business ownership, you know, people who had followed me on certain accounts for news updates, like Twitter or whatever, as my content changed, there was a drop-off with some of that audience. And the, I mean, you're, because in essence, the story is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I- That's great though. You know, I, yeah. I know
2: people get scared of these numbers, but the truth of the matter is, is, you know, I'd rather go in there and have, uh, you know, I don't know, I'd rather have 80% of my, you know, people really being responsive and engaged mm-hmm. than yeah. 100% of people that are kind of halfway in. You know, yeah. I, I want them all in. And that's that's where I think it's important. But, but to your point, when you see that kind of drop off, it's a little scary. You know, when I started doing a lot more um, female-based, for me, age-based uh, of, of late content, the men don't didn't want to hear that the, the men didn't want to hear that i was 50 now you know so yeah. i so but i didn't care because i wanted i wanted that return from the women because mm-hmm. that's who i was talking to and that's who i'm interested in talking about and not that i don't want to talk to men but i know that my content was geared a little bit more toward that yeah in general, that's you know self-help books are purchased primarily by women yeah so i knew that that was a risk i had to take but but that risk i think pays off in the long run because you can talk to 100,000 people, but if only 2% of them are listening, you know. Yeah, it does, does
1: it yourself. absolutely. So I wanna ask you this and I'm gonna get a little bit, I don't wanna say into the weeds, but perhaps. One of the things that I find when I'm working with clients is that they struggle to know what their story is. And even when they find that out, Many of them, um, not all of them, and sometimes it depends a little bit on age and gender. Feel like storytelling and that personal element, that emotional element, should be entirely separate from business, right? They don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm being too, you know, this isn't professional. I'm, I'm sharing too much. And so, how do you know? I mean, what are the elements? This is something I battle all the time. So I'm (laughs) I'm asking you maybe for as, as, as much as our audience for myself too, but What are the elements that make a good story? And and how do you combat? You know, you mentioned, got to put myself out there to write this book. I'm usually writing stories about other people and talking about other people's stories. So it sounds like you dealt with that feeling a little bit as well. This is uncomfortable. I don't know exactly how I feel about this. I want to do it, but what were the elements that you were able to pull and the emotions that you tapped into that made that particular story good?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'm actually in the process of my next book right now, and I was struggling a lot with it because um, I was I was trying to do two different things. I wanted to make sure that you know, ever we all want to talk about our story, so mm-hmm. that was fine. But at the end of the day, I was. I was writing, I've been writing about age and aging and it's called coming up next, which is the the podcast I have. And, and it's, it's about like kind of what's next in life. Like we get to this age and where do we go and, and what are we doing? And whether it's a career change, whether, you know, this was based off divorce, whether it was divorce, whether it's that we just are tired of our career, whether or not kids have left the house and, you know, we're empty nesters, whatever it is. I was like, you know, what, what, now what? And so I started to write my book. I was really writing it for me. And then I realized that this, it almost sounded like this whiny therapy session and I went, well, this isn't gonna be helpful to anybody. They can relate to that part. but You immediately have to go into what's useful for mm. people too. So I, I had to go back up to, you know, above it. Like, so this was my, here's who I am, here are all my problems. Here's the hook, here's, here's
1: why you should trust me because I've gone through the shit, if you right. will, right? Okay.
2: So I've gone through all that, but I had to go backward for a minute and say like, wait a minute, why am I doing this again? So I think you almost have to put that in front of you. Like, why, 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 why am I doing this? How is it useful? how is this person gonna sit down, open this book and be able to say, hey, I read a book that Tamsin wrote and she said, you know, when you get whatever yeah. this age, you have to do this. Um, and to yeah. your point, you were talking about one of your other guests saying that the email list you ran, that's useful advice. And so I think that that's where, you know, that's where you have to come from. So. I don't think it's a matter of telling too much or too little. I think it's a matter of always keeping your goal in mind there to make yeah. sure that content is useful. And then, you know, to your point, Rachel, useful content goes to your ROI, right? Useful content, somebody's going to want it. Somebody's going to want to buy it, and then they're going to stick with me. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a several, you know, it's a multi-fold process. But but I think definitely useful, and it has to lose that gloss because we are, we have been trained now that. Everyone looks perfect, their life is great, everything's good. I've got great advice to share, and that's just not true at the end of the day. At the end of the day, what happened to all three of us at the beginning of this call is what's real. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that's that's authentic.
0: So, I and I hear I love that formula. It's I I wrote it down, it's like why trust and then the takeaway, like whether it's in a book form or a yeah, it's any form what there's a couple of things i'd say to that again if you're going back to a corporate let's say you're in charge of pr or the image for amazon or whatever it might be yeah it's it's building the trust it doesn't necessarily have to be the personal brand but the trust of the company and the people who run it because at the end of the day it's all about our people right but i think two things have really moved the needle on on our skepticism of trust one would be that I think there was a wave coming with millennials anyway into the workplace of wanting more laid back, more transparency, more of like a work-life balance yeah. and being okay to talk about what you're doing at home or that you're going on vacation or whatever it might be. While when I first entered the workforce, that was a big no-no. Like it yeah. was a, a workbox and you weren't allowed to talk out of that workbox. Yeah. So I think that's one. But then I think the pandemic has accelerated that culture exponentially because you see in this box, you see everybody's home. Yeah. You see the chaos, you see the bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. I turned my camera off before because my kid came in with a bunch of apples in his karate costume on when he's supposed to be going to school. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I don't, you don't freaking out that he didn't have his karate outfit. I'm like, you don't need it right now. We're not going to karate. The anyway, <laughs> point is, is that I think it's actually becoming harder for marketers to, even in the corporate realm, to get through that authenticity and yeah. relatable. And I think that's one of the most important things that we have to do that wasn't as challenging before as it is now.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're kind of all raw, like we're all out, it's all hanging out at this point. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, and, and and, you know, we're all uh, you know, we're all critical of everything, right? Like I, I always think, oh my gosh, are they gonna see my tv behind my head or is that (laughs) i love your background your background is flawless thank you but but again you know because i ran around like oh gosh i gotta clean this up the dog's bed is But i think we're you know we're kind of all hanging out there and you're right you know i think we have a lot to learn from um you know all all different age groups right i i would never have said five years ago three years ago i I need some time off or like and just mean like my, my head needs to decode yeah. so that I would have said and Carrie, you know uh, I can work harder faster better more than anybody you want me seven days a week I can do eight you yeah. know what, I mean? yeah. That's what we would have done so so there's been a lot of shifts and there's been a lot of shifts of getting used to I think too but that goes back to the word authentic which I, I think is overused but uh, if I could mm-hmm. think of another word it would be great I know I know I hear it all the time like oh, authenticity, authenticity they mean something far. yeah but, but yeah. Okay. But but it really is uh, yeah. important. And I will I will say this from my point of view, is I did tell other people's stories for a very long time and I did listen to other people's stories for a very long time. Yeah. And um, I can remember in my head, out of the thousands of people I've interviewed, tens of thousands probably, and the thousands of stories I've heard, there's probably 20 that I could off the top of my head really, rem- I mean, there's been so, so many great. Of course, yeah. But, 20 probably off the top of my head and they all kind of have that similar through line, which is I'm a person. Here's what I went through. Uh, yeah. I did what to do with that. Here's, here's what I did with it. And there's a product at the end of it. And it doesn't matter how emotional this was having a product at the end of it. doesn't take away from that emotion. And that right. that inspiration and that inclusion and it doesn't take away from that. And I think that that's, if you can, If you can marry those two things together, which is, you know, the emotional story and the ROI and people don't see the blending of them, that is a beautiful, beautiful uh, brand marketing strategy, storytelling
0: ability. Yeah. When we are in, you know, when I was getting my master's in marketing and then when we went through sales training, they always talk about the customer pain funnel. And at the top of it, like there's three things. And at the top is surface level pain or perceived pain. And the middle level is financial pain, and the bottom level is emotional pain. And we were always trained that if you could get down to that emotional pain, you would close the sale every time. Mm-hmm. So it's really the same mentality. I hate bringing this back to money, but that's why we're all here. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> no, I, I I appreciate you bringing it back to money because I'm thinking did it, like emotion and and let me let me ask you: Is there anything right now? And maybe this is a question for Rachel or and and or Tamson. Um, are there certain emotions that you think are people f- are drawn to more so now than perhaps before? So while humor is not necessarily a strictly an emotion, stories that have a sense of levity and people smile or laugh when they're listening to them, you know, inspiration, anxiety, certainly, outrage is everywhere. We are in an outrage culture. It's easy to find story. Are there certain emotional elements that you think really resonate with people when they are crafting their their story and their message
0: i think it depends from a marketer standpoint on the brand you're, or the story you're trying to keep consistent yeah so we we were trained or you know I, we're still trained to focus on emotion and that can be anxiety can be fear so we have our what one of my clients calls the caveman brain mentality yeah. where we literally as cavemen we were trained to Focus on fear, no matter what. So it yeah. could be dandy, but that's why you have to look at a, an accident on the freeway. That's why we watch the news when there's terrible news and it depresses me. Not that I like watching you guys, but the stories themselves make me sad often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, but I have to watch it. I have to see. We have to see what the fear or the danger
1: is. What's saber tooth tiger lurking behind the next bush? Yeah,
0: over and over again. So we're, we're trying to do that. So that's one. We'll get you to pay um, a negative emotion. will get you to pay attention. No questions asked. However, statistically, you usually remember positive emotions longer. So for example, a great one is nostalgia. So I yeah. was a child of the nineties. I was born before the nineties, but I was in my adolescence in the nineties. And like, anytime you bring up Nintendo or Mario, I'm like, ooh, I'm going Yeah. <laughs> my, my childhood. And yeah. so anytime you can bring in a nostalgia, uh, that's a really great one to create a relationship with the customer. So yeah. I guess to answer your question is some emotions are meant to grab attention. And some emotions are relationships and how you use them and when in the buying cycle
2: yeah. is
0: what dictates it. And also what your brand is going to represent. Is it representing a want or a need or is it fixing a problem or is it something that's going to make you happier in the long run?
1: Yeah.
0: To pick the emotion, at least in my opinion. I don't know, Tamsin, what do you think about
2: that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and the nostalgia is so true. I always, I always think of the word well-being because I think that everything kind of comes back to that. So whether we're talking this we're talking about crime, right, in your in your neighborhood, and saying like, okay, so we're telling you the crime story. Why? Uh, because we want to take care of your well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about skincare, uh, you know, like a sun damage. Just summertime's coming, you know. Yeah. A, story, a thousand stories about um, about skincare. Why well-being? Uh, we tell a story about a person who started the business after they, you know, found you know a, a health problem. Well-being. So I think a lot of it. Uh, comes back to that because you're right. You know, you can't look away when you see a car accident. You can't stop listening even though you don't want to. Um, I mean, it is that can't look away mentality. But at the end of the day, it comes down to well, I think it comes down to people. You're protecting yourself, family, yeah. well-being. And so I, I, um, I believe that that's kind of that that um, you know that that word behind all of those things. If mm-hmm. I had to try to find one that sort of encompasses everything.
1: So we're coming up on time. I, I could talk to you forever about storytelling and we so appreciate your insight. We have to ask you one more question though, before we go. And, <laughs> and you knew this was coming, I think. Uh, what is the weirdest thing that has ever happened to you?
2: I know, I was trying to think about that during, you know, you told me what we we're going to talk
1: about. <laughs> like it's a hard one to spring on people 30 minutes before. It is. like that's <laughs> <laughs> while, while your brain is being tasked with answering all, being, <laughs> being peppered with questions by mm-hmm. Rachel and I.
2: No, no, no. I've actually really enjoyed this conversation um, because it does give you a minute. And I love that we did this in the morning because I feel like it gives me a minute to like think the day hasn't really, you know, like started yet. The chaos hasn't hit. Well, except for the dog, but um, (laughs) this is kind of more funny than really the weirdest thing ever, but I always get a kind of kick out of it. I was in TJ Maxx. It was a few years ago. Uh Um, Teresa Dudais was a big, you know, the big um, Real Housewives. Real Housewives. Yeah. And so um, I was walking around and these people were like around the thing. They're looking at me. and I was like, oh, they must watch the news. Like, so, you know, so I smile and they <laughs> smile. And then walking around the thing and, and I had long hair at the time. Like, it, I don't know if you remember. Yeah. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I'm Lebanese, like, you know, my hair. So, uh, so I'm like, oh, they must definitely, you know, watch the news. And so, uh, you know, this is how nice. That's so, that's so nice. And then they came up to me and they were like, Real Housewives? And I go, What? <laughs> and I go, No, no, I, I, I channel 11. They were like, No, 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 you're Teresa you guys. And I was like, No, 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 I'm not. And it's like, Yes, you are. I said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not. And so they started taking pictures. I'm like, I'm not. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna. And so I, I was, oh, I gotta get out of here. So I dropped all my stuff and ran out. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing. Yeah. <laughs> I probably just embraced it, but it made me laugh. And so I thought I would just share that with you. And I love it. You know, to bring it back to storytelling. Uh, you know, they were telling themselves a story and they believed it. So that yeah, was- that's
1: exactly it. Well, next thing you know, you find it on page six, and, oh, and right. it's Samson Fidel impersonating Teresa Giudice. <laughs>
0: Yelling at people and teaching. I think that you know, as a gift, we should, carry, we should get Tamsin a T-shirt with her face on it. With the yes, I am not.
1: I'm in 100. I love it. Well, this is such. This has been such a pleasure. I really, really Thank appreciate you. It. Let, let, let us. Up. Oh, sorry. Let us ask one other question. If people are interested in learning more about what you do, not only as a news anchor, but also as an author, your second book is coming out. Where can they go to find out everything about you?
2: Well, you know what? I've tried to make it easy now instead of having a bunch of different places. So okay. it's, it's over on my personal website, TansonFidel.com. And when you hit it the first time, uh, there's actually a free chapter of my book. You can download the last book called the new single uh, finding, fixing and falling in love with yourself after a breakup or divorce. So you don't have to just be divorced. If you're, you know, if you've gone through anything, you know, the book was uh, exciting to write because I, I learned that it really was not at the end of the day about divorce or relationships. It was really just about people and growing and being able to go through a big life change and try to learn how to do it with grace and have it not destroy your life. So really the book was, you know, about change at the end of the day. And I think it's something we all go through all the time, but there's a free chapter to download. So I, I do, every, I push everything over to there and uh, then you can always
0: follow me on social as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tamson. This was amazing. I really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you for putting up with our chaos. (laughs) Yes.
1: Love
2: it. I was totally at home. I was like, I've got my coffee. I'm just watching the show. You're
1: good to go. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you so much. And to our fabulous audience, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mavens of Marketing. We'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place. Bye.